the best designers have this lifelong learning kind of intrinsic motivational you know they they're motivated from the inside right they're gritty and tenacious and they're problem solvers and they don't need a ton of direction they can take direction well but they don't need it all the time they can also see an opportunity to solve a problem before maybe even their manager would see it Hello, Spacers from Austin, Texas. I'm Christopher Schmidt. And on today's show, I'm talking with Leslie Jensen Emmon, co-founder of Center Center, a user experience design school based in Chattanooga, Tennessee. This fall, the first 36 students are expected to start the school's first courses, helping pave the way for what they hope is the next generation of industry-ready UX designers. Some notes on where I'll be coming up this summer. The CSS Summit is the three-day virtual conference focused on CSS and SAS and their super friend technologies like SVG, Animation API, Design Systems, other preprocessors, and much, much more. I'll be hosting events, and you can pick up your early bird tickets right now at CSSSummit.com. Also, uh, Lyft is giving me the opportunity to give you new writers of Lyft a $50 credit. Just go to Christopher.org slash Lyft. That's Christopher.org slash L-Y-F-T. Did you know you could set it and forget it with Non-Breaking Space Show? The Non-Breaking Space Show newsletter comes right to your email box when it's ready. All you have to do is sign up at newsletter.nonbreakingspace.tv. Also at nonbreakingspace.tv is show notes and links discussed in today's very episode. And also be sure to follow me on Twitter at Teleject, T-E-L-E, J-E-C-T. And as always, thank you for subscribing, liking, and telling others about Not Breaking Space Show on iTunes. Now, on with the show. Cool. Well, thank you for taking the time out of your day. I just, I was researching your, your Twitter uh, feed just before we got on here. And <laughs> I was like, oh, so on the 13th, she said she's going to have a bigger, busy day. <laughs> busy week and I'm like okay so i was like oh so hopefully it was a good week for you so far yeah we're having these amazing busy weeks so that's i'm okay with the kind of busy i'm having right now okay cool well i want to um talk to you about center center and how that's going um because uh well we've known each other for a long time like we've been part of web education initiatives uh, for one form or another, like uh, I think back in, I forgot how long ago it was, but uh, how, what was it? Was it uh, the Web Standards Projects, Web Education Progress, right? We yeah. went, went through that. We wrote a book. Well, I, right. I, wrote, I, wrote, I wrote a chapter of a book, so which is, I was thankful for that. So uh, because I didn't have to write a whole book. So that was pretty nice. Yeah, that's yeah. the way to go. Yeah. Although wrangling, was it like 10 of us authors? That was, that was, um, it was fun design challenges and such. <laughs> Aaron Walter and I were just like, we uh, we were put through our paces on that one. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was the Interact Web Education. Yeah. And in books, so that's been something. And then we we worked with um, Aaron Walter for um, for the Web Education uh, curriculum, right? For right. his projects, and so, um, and then, um, can you just tell us? And now you work at the Center Center. 
And that was uh, helped with the funding, I guess, I mean, tell me how much, uh, but uh, the funding of Kickstarter project, right? Right. Right. And so, uh, and so when, when was the idea for Center Center, um, which is, in, describe what it is and then describe how it got the, 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 the impetus for that project. Sure. Center Center is a user experience design school uh, for adults, creating industry-ready user experience designers. Um, so Center Center, it, it got started, it's gone through a couple of different names, right? So most publicly besides Center Center, uh, the school was known as the Unicorn Institute. That was mostly because we needed to be able to talk about it without talking about it. Because at that point, we hadn't been authorized by the state of Tennessee to be a school. And so if you start talking about yourself as a school before you're actually authorized, you can be fined something like $1,000 a day since you, yeah. So we, um, Jared and I speak a lot at conferences and we travel a lot and we just felt like we were probably going to mess up and say the name you know, and call it a school by accident on stage. So what we did is we really created um, the Unicorn Institute as our research project because we thought it was really important to share the kind of research we were finding by um, looking into what a school really needed to be uh, with other people. I knew we knew people were interested in what we were researching, and so we wanted to share it, but we had to be really careful about the way we were talking about it. And before that, the internal name for the school was Project Insanity, uh, because we kind of figured you had to be insane to start a school. And little did we know you had to be like extremely insane. Uh, so Jared Spool, who's the co-founder of Center Center slash the Unicorn Institute slash Project Insanity, and I started this project um, over, I think, four, th four years ago now. And um, we are just about to have our first cohort of students. I know, uh, I think a lot of people think we've already started because we keep, are so close to getting started. We've got everything in place. We have curriculum in place and faculty and staff, and we have our facilities in place. And um, it's just really challenging to figure out all the pieces of a school to meet all the different kind of legal um, requirements and do everything the way we want to do them in the way that feels the best decisions we can make for our students. So by doing things really, really right and really being very human about the experience for our students, it's actually taken us quite a long time to get started. But we're very happy with what we've created okay. because of that. Well, just for those people who were listening who might not have started their own school, uh, can oh. you tell me what, what pieces are, have you been, uh, that you've been dealing with to put into place, um, you know, in the last couple of years. So. Right. Um, so there's Jared and I joke about this a lot. We say it's a very good thing. We didn't know what we didn't know because this is one of those projects where if you knew all the things you'd have to do, you might not go down this road, but we knew it was the right thing to do. So we're still extremely happy we're, that we've done it and the way we've gone about it. Um, but there are a lot of pieces. So pieces like Getting authorized by the state of Tennessee, we actually had to submit over 13 inches of binders of filled with information, um, including like Jared's and my height and our eye color and like, you know, for background checks and making sure that um, we were really legitimate. And the, the challenge we had uh, at first with working with the state is the way we thought 
school sh- should be and the way we still think it should be isn't exactly the way traditional educational environments are, um, or at least not on the scale of an entire curriculum and an entire school created about around project-based learning, competency-based learning. It's the idea of actually working with real clients, uh, real budgets, real deadlines, um, all of these things make it very challenging to fit into a model that already existed and we just didn't fit. And so it was this really kind of neat ex- experience working with the with the state which were mostly we're working mostly with attorneys um figuring out well how do you how do you meet the law and how do you really protect the citizens of um that are that are coming to the school? How do you make sure the students are coming first? And they were helpful and they were able to educate us on a lot of things. And so we learned a lot of about um, legalese that we didn't know. Um, and we were able to help them see education in a really different way. And it's it's been an exciting experience, although at times it can be really frustrating because, you know, my background that I can speak to is uh, I'm a designer. There's, and I've owned my own company before and I've dealt with contracts and that kind of legalese. But I have never um, been faced with having to learn so much um, out, outside of the design world, I guess. I spend a lot of times now in spreadsheets. I look at loan amortization charts. I, I do things that uh, maybe ha- that had me questioning for a while, um, like, am I a designer anymore? And then I would say that my husband or my mom would be like, Leslie, you're designing an entire school. Now you're designing this the user experience of a school we we really broke it down into ways that we had never that, that most people don't most educators don't have the opportunity the resources the time to be able to really look at it in a, such a holistic way uh, so we so we worked with the state of Tennessee we we have been authorized which is great um, we, we have a nice relationship with the state which is very nice we've done things like we, we interviewed hiring managers even before we decided to really, really go forward with the school. And we asked them questions like, what's the difference between a good designer and your best designers? And what we realized is a lot of the, the skills that, that make a good designer really, really the best are soft skills. And we realized most curriculum don't really address that on an everyday basis, right? Um, you kind of you need to learn how to communicate with people, how to work with them on a project. Uh, you know, we in our professional worlds rarely work by ourselves on anything, um, but a lot of time in educational environments, that's what you, you know. It's all individualized learning. If you if you are individual learning, not individualized, um, there's a difference. So it's a lot of learning by yourself, and if you work with somebody else, you're cheating. Not at center center. The, the goal is to work with other people to really build those communication skills. Um, so we we met with hiring managers. We found out what they really wanted. They wanted us to graduate students that could sit through a meeting and not look like they're going to die. <laughs> like, like, what do you mean in terms of just being bored to death or just... Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. So, yeah. so, so, so the simple act of just being engaged. That's exactly. Engaged, show up prepared. Oh, wow. Be engaged you know, put your iPhone down or your mm. other smartphone, whatever device you've got. Your, you know, Is that six-week uh, course on putting the iPhone down? Because that's, I think I would, I would fail that course. So. 
You know, it's really interesting. So at Center Center, most of our meetings are technology free. The ones that aren't are usually when Jared's joining us from someplace around the world and he's Skyping in. But we don't have phones. Uh, If somebody has to have their phone, uh, say like a kid's sick, you know, they're waiting for the, the mechanic to call, those kind of things. It's actually brought up at the beginning of the meeting and the person apologizes like, hey, sorry, guys, we've got I've got this emergency thing happening. I have my phone here. It's on vibrate. I hope not to have to take a call. But if I do, I just wanted to let you know. And that's a really different kind of work environment. Um, It does mean that our meetings at Center Center are extremely tight. We get a lot done and they don't run over um, because we've we've got agendas and we we stick away from the technology. Well, those kind of principles, those ways that we do things at Center Center, we've set it up so that the students can learn how to do those things. So the students will actually, a lot of their kind of class time, um, and I put that in air quotes. And so since you all are listening, class time was in air quotes. Um, Because class time here is really coming, it's basically uh, getting ready to, you know, you come to work and and it's a a work environment. Um, So the it's set up so that they can come to meetings, they can run meetings, they can, they have practice in doing actual things that they're going to need to do once they graduate. Well, that's amazing. Cause like, I feel like, I mean, is, is that it? Like soft skills is the only thing that takes a, a good designer from a best designer is just uh, communicating with people's uh, soft skills, being prepared, like, and thinking about uh, other people, like, and having empathy, I guess is, is, is that, is that really what, what the main difference is? Those are the main differences, right? The thoughtfulness, the, the professionalism, um, how to conduct yourself as, as a professional with other professionals. Those are the main differences. Of course, um, the best designers have this lifelong learning kind of intrinsic motivational you know, they, they're motivated from the inside, right? They're gritty and tenacious and they're problem solvers and they don't need a ton of direction. They can take direction well, but they don't need it all the time. They can also see an opportunity to solve a problem before maybe even their manager would see it and come to the manager with, hey, look, I, t- I, I saw this as a challenge and I've, I've taken a first stab at it. And then they're open to feedback. They're open to constructive criticism. They're able to give constructive criticism. Uh, they're able to um, work with people that don't know don't know about design, but speak to them in a way that resonates and helps um, create census around design, helps move process forward, work with different kinds of stakeholders, work with their teammates. It's, a lot of that is soft skills. And in traditional education, there's not a lot of time for that. You know, it's a lot of like, let's learn this technical skill or let's, or this piece of software, or let's learn this really specific thing about color or typefaces, which are all important. And our students will learn those things, but they're going to learn them while also constantly practicing their soft skills. So our students will graduate. They, it's a two-year program. They'll graduate having put into action those soft skills and the technical skills for the full two years. So we're graduating junior designers, junior UXers, but um, they'll have a lot more practical knowledge than I think um, other students might if they were graduating a different and, kind of program. And that's through actual doing, you said mentioned earlier, like how they'll be learning these, these soft skills is through actual projects with actual deadlines. Is that right? 
Yeah, so our students will work with partner companies. So we've got companies like um, Northrop Grumman and MailChimp already on board. And our students will work with their teams on real projects, it, mostly backburnered projects, things that they haven't been able to get to, things that aren't, things that if the student's solution wasn't the right solution, it's not going to throw the businesses way off track. Um, but something that the business, you know, the company cares about enough to really put some maybe developmental resources, development resources um, behind to, to make sure that uh, if the solution is the right solution that it actually gets built out and our students get to work with their development teams. Um, so it's really important for us, for our students to make connections to real people outside of our center center staff and faculty. We call our faculty, actually they're called facilitators, not teachers, not professors. We do not believe they are sage on stage, stand up and know it all. Um, we actually, we just had a meeting about curriculum today, with two of the facilitators that we have on board already. And we have an amazing team here. They're just, they're so fantastic. And we, we we're talking about today is if, if we do our job right, we will say things like, I don't know, let's figure that out. Or um, what do you think? And ask the questions, those questions to the students more. If we're successful, we're asking those questions more than we're telling the students what to do. Like we're helping the students really build that skill of lifelong learning because when they graduate, yes, we'll still be resources, but they need to be their own learning resource. They need to figure out what makes a credible uh, source of material. How do you evaluate an article to know if the argument that they're making is the argument, um, is it really relevant? Is it one-sided? Is it really thought out in the way it needs to be to be helpful with your career? Those kind of things. Um, yeah, so well, that sounds great. I mean, it sounds like a really good, a good area just for 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 learning and also just for uh, for being a. I don't want to say the word playground, but I guess testing ground would be a better phrase. Um, but it sounds like play to me. It sounds like fun. <laughs> like, well, that's. A, I think we're creating the school. I, I keep thinking it's like the school I really wanted to attend mm -hmm. and the school I really wanted to teach at. So our facilitators are jazzed, right? They're so psyched. We're doing a real big push on um, some finalizing, like some tweaking of the, the curriculum. And they're so excited about it because it's asking these really tough questions. Um, you know, how, how can we give enough structure so that the students um, learn what they need to learn but without being prescriptive, without telling the students, here's your assignment. Now do it this exact way. Right? Because... I don't know, I, really great managers, really great bosses, they trust their people to do good work and they don't micromanage, right? And so our students are going to graduate and they're not going to have someone say, this is exactly how you have to do it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, like you're like the best bosses are the ones that just, just let you know. They just assume that you either know what you're, what you're doing or you will find out very soon how to do what, exactly. you're, what to do and that. Uh, and then if you need help to ask for help and not to ask for help every every two minutes so. exactly and and that's what that's what we it, so our students are successful when they can be able to, when they graduate and they're from day one they are a resource and a positive um, influence within the team that they're hired versus a drag on resources you know our our students should be really able to add to the team that they go to and not 
I've seen it before. The hiring managers we talked with said sometimes it takes six months to a year to onboard somebody because they don't have the soft skills. Like everything from uh, from their younger hires, their parents are showing up to interviews with their yeah. Parents are calling up and asking for their kids. Kids, I'm saying, like 26 year olds. Wow. Um, why haven't they had a raise? <laughs> These are the kind of things we're going to teach our students not to do. Yeah, that, that really happens. <laughs> yeah, we've we oh. heard that actually multiple times. Oh my gosh, seriously? Okay. Yes, seriously, uh, it's frightening. Like in, in by at companies that I would know of. Right? Yeah. So we so Jared and I started when we started this. Uh, we interviewed hiring managers at Sears and Marriott and let's see, oh goodness, I'm now I'm starting to draw blanks, but the, all these really huge big companies because that's we see our students actually graduating and um, working with larger companies that already have an understanding that of the importance of UX design and so that they already have some senior leadership with around UX mm-hmm. because our students will be able to learn more and to grow more and develop more since we're graduating junior UX designers. It's really great if they have leaders and mentors already within the company to learn from, to really help take them to their next level. And so a lot of these uh, larger companies like a Northrop Grumman already have big teams in place for this and they're doing super neat things that I'm not allowed to talk about, but they're super cool. (laughs) So I've, I have a question for you. Uh, you and this doesn't directly relately doesn't related. It's not related to Center Center, but like so. In talking to these, these companies, yeah. um, you know, I I don't work for every company yet or in the future. So if if a if a UX designer comes on board and they don't have the soft skills, how do they teach soft skills within six months? I mean, or to, to bring my board or. You know, this is what they struggle with, right? That's why they're really interested in talking with us because they haven't been all that successful. And then what happens is the person doesn't get retained and hiring is expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, when you to bring someone on board and try to onboard them, uh, that takes time. It takes money. You know, it's just um, the things that I've seen them do are, are uh, bring junior folks to meetings, uh, have conversations with them. They've had to show simple things like how to have a proper handshake. Mm. how to have a business dinner. There's things that are, a, a lot of us um, take for granted, you know, like which fork to use when you sit down at a banquet mm. kind of meal. And these are some, these are kind of things that when you're working in a lar- larger corporation, you do face. Actually, even uh, Center Center is not a large corporation, but today I, I went to, you know, a, a luncheon. Um, I actually ended up sitting next to a high school student and, you know, who didn't know which, which, which fork to use and stuff. And I got to teach her the, you know, when you put your hands, your fingers together and you make the B for bread plate and the D for drink, you know. Oh, I didn't know that. That's awesome. All right. Like, yeah. Oh, that's your, that's a trick. So you put your, take your forefinger and yeah. your thumb, hold them together and hold the other finger straight up and you create a B and a D. That's why, you know, your bread plates on the left and your drinks on the right. Oh, nice. There you go. See, there you go. So, these are the kind of practical tips that students will learn at Center Center. <laughs> but it's like so cool. You can just do that under the table. Nobody sees you doing it. And you can remember, okay, I'm not going to, because it's so embarrassing when you eat somebody else's bread. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I got past an embarrassment a long time ago. <laughs> I just, I just grabbed I it and let go. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, 
that we we will have opportunities for students to learn these kind of things, <laughs> and because it's just nice. It's, you know, there's something there is something to business etiquette, and you can get mm -hmm. you can really push your career if you if you have all the skills. So you have the design skills, right? You've got the technical know-how. You know all of that, and then to have the polish of having the soft skills with that, you know, it's just your opportunities are just endless, right? They're boundless. Right. Cool. Yeah. So it sounds like soft skills are just kind of like etiquette in a way, right? So if it's not, I guess, just some of it is. Yeah. So like for, and for, and I guess etiquette would change, you know, depending on, you know, nationality or, or like culture that you're, that you're working in too. So, but, but like stuff, but stuff like, you know, dinner culture in the Western, you know, in America is going to be different than otherwise. But, but uh, yeah, it seems kind of, kind of understandable, but like just having, being able to, to work with people and relate to people seems, kind of uh, kind of universal like you said so yeah there's some universal um, there's some universal things and then there's definitely cultural things and our students as they work with different kinds of companies that have different cultures that have different um, that work with different with their different clients that are located in different areas our students are going to be exposed to a lot of real world situations because it is real world we're not you know making it up yeah. and they're gonna have to learn how to adapt. And being able to adapt is a really neat skill to um, to foster and to be able to do it in a place where learning is very much at the core of everything that happens. It's safe to make a mistake, right? So if a student um, missteps, you know, maybe they, they don't approach a, a conversation in, in the most effective way. Well, our facilitators can help that, give them feedback let's talk about this. What could have gone better in the future? Or maybe it's a partner company and the, and one of the employees there has the opportunity to kind of mentor the student and say, you know what, your design work is amazing. Your tech skills are right there. Mm -hmm. And if you could just learn how to do X, Y, and Z or just X, you know, then you are so hireable. And you know what, I'm, I'm able and willing to help you learn this skill. And those are the kind of opportunities I think are really, really special. Um, they're about building relationships over the long term. Uh, it's not just about a capstone project, right? Our students are working with uh, professionals in the industry from day one. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's good. Um, I do want to probably put a pin on that and probably may come back to that later on. But I want to go back and probably at the higher level a little bit for, for Center Center and just ask um, – just the lessons learned and setting up school in terms of a traditional school and uh, being surf like not tr a, tr a traditional school of, you know, just, I guess I'm going to say college or, 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 or whatnot. Like, you know, I, I went to, got my master's degree at, um, and um, for new media technology. Right. So, but, but even then when I, when I was there, I had to actually do my own special courses because technology had trained, had uh, changed so much that uh, the the curriculums that were available to me, the lessons, uh, of course, that were there, like I couldn't, uh, you know, there was just like antiquated like HTML table layouts, or whatever. So it's it really it was terrible. So, but uh, not terrible. Sorry. Face for gifts. <laughs> Face for gifts. Oh my gosh, uh, I love them so much, but I'm like I'm past that. Okay, but um, <laughs> they have but, a place in my heart. Yeah, I, I kept this space for my space for gifts. So, but I'm, I'm just thinking about the challenges yeah. that you've had to go through just to set up a unique school that is uh, flexible, uh, maintainable, but also covers, um, you know, like the soft skills, hard skills, also protecting students. I would wager from 
I'm doing projects on real budgets. That's like, you know, you, you know, students always do projects, but for a real clients or external company, um, you know, you know, that it's not, it's not really terrible or outside the realm of possibilities. Cause you know, you, you have like, you know, I can see like everyone like Georgia tech or, or Berkeley, you're working with, you know, outside vendors for science projects. But I was wondering, you know, it's a little outside just, you know, normal graphic design uh, school. So what were the challenges in trying to get that certified versus, you know, your background in teaching? So there's all kinds of challenges. Um, things that I hadn't thought about when we, things as simple as our, our students have team rooms that have locked doors and that have, um, and the doors are not see-through and there's no windows. <laughs> there's windows out, but not like in, uh, like on the door. And things, because we're working like with the Northrop Grumman, for example, or another company like that, you know, they're, we're working with a lot of information that can't be shared or at least that can't be shared maybe while the students are working on the project. And so but we have the, information, you mean just the project information? Yeah, like it's like the, it could be like on a, like a non-disclosure kind of thing, right? Gotcha. It could be some proprietary information. Um, it could be working with a financial institution that our students have one computer that might have access to data that is secured that they're not, uh, that none of the other students have access to. There's all these weird cases that we're finding that our partner companies and potential partner companies want to make sure that their information and their clients' information is safe. Um, so things like we had to take into consideration making sure there's a lock on the door that has a key, you know, and only certain people have access to that room. Um, the people, uh, uh, these are really crazy things that I, you know, I never had to deal with this when, I, when I've taught before. I, I had projects that were, um, basically working a lot of times with nonprofits that it wasn't like secrets, you know, it was, it's get this information out as to many people as you can so that people get excited about the nonprofit and put more money into it. But our, the projects that our students might work on, some of them could be, um, restricted in a public way for some time and then, then release, you know, you know, there's all timing. They could be working on stuff that's sort of top secret for a while. Um, so I, th those are kind of weird things we didn't know we were going to have to think through. Um, we've been thinking through, well, then how do you, how do you show that in a portfolio if you have non-disclosure stuff? And that's the same kind of real work challenges we see as designers have these days, right? You know, you've worked maybe on some really cool things, but you're not supposed to be talking about them. How do you have a portfolio? And our students were going to, we're going to be faced with asking and answering those questions. Um, I, I'm trying to think of other things um, that might be of interest. Like it, it's just starting a school from scratch. Um, we're not grandfathered in like a lot of schools would be like a universities might have sort of been grandfathered in, or they have huge staffs and, and they have lawyers. And they've got endowments. They've got all these things like money uh, that, you know, we're, we have really, really lean resources, um, and we've had to learn from scratch. We don't have a, a specialist to work with the state of Tennessee. Um, we had to figure out, we looked through all the documents, really read it, and do our best to understand what they were trying to mean, and then build those relationships so we could ask the state, what did they mean? We've, we've learned a lot along the way, um, 
and it's it's almost hard to to think about all the different things. But there's there's things like okay, to open the school, we had to have a facility in place, which means like an actual space with actual all the furniture and even a physical library created before we could even be authorized as a school. So this is this crazy thing. So like you need money to be able to do that, but you can't, you know, even ask for tuition until you're authorized as a school in the state of Tennessee. So like, it's just these weird rules that totally make sense in one way and kind of break your brain in another way. Yeah. So I guess at at some point they're saying like, Hey, uh, before we tell your school, you actually have to have a school building, but in order to get a school building, you need to get money, but we can't get to it yet. So I totally exactly. So they, you know, the state of Tennessee, they sent representatives here, checked out the school, the actual space. They actually came to Chattanooga. They had and, official furniture te- checkers. Is that what you're saying? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, they actually they make sure they make sure your fire code is up to in your okay. health and safety. Right. Um, so it's just really, I mean. If you had told me, I don't know, five years ago that I, I would be doing this on this level, I'm not, I don't know what I, maybe I would have believed you, but <laughs> I, I, it just is this crazy things. I, I think, okay, our biggest hurdle um, and what's been really such this huge, huge design problem for us. So we look at the whole school, uh, being that we're all designers, we look at everything as a design problem and, or a design challenge and how do we solve for it? There's a lot of research involved and then a lot of iteration um, some sprints, you know, we, we do a bunch of different kind of design methods, um, to make the school, the design school happen, which seems fitting. But our biggest challenges is student financing because, so we're authorized by the state, but we're not accredited yet by a national accrediting body because you actually have to have a school going with the students enrolled and coming to class for at least about two or three years before you can even apply for accreditation, mm-hmm. which is not a cheap process. Right. Um, and it's not an easy process. Uh, so, and you have to be accredited for your students to be able to have access to most of the, um, the nice loans, the loans that have good rates. Right. Um, and so we had started looking at, okay, well, private loans. And, and when we first started the school, there was a lot more options for private loans. Um, but things started to dry up because uh, other schools have been doing some pretty shady practices with student loans. And we, we've all heard this, right? And right. Um, like, I don't think student loans are bad, personally, if as long as you are preparing your students to have a career and have a job that can actually pay back the student loans. Mm-hmm. then that, that seems fair. But um, a lot of schools were giving out a lot of loans, but not having students take courses and programs that would actually get them jobs. So there's, you know, that's just not fair. So, so private loans started driving up. And so what was left were private loans that had very predatory practices. So we were talking with different companies that were like, yes, we will lend to your students for 28% interest rate. And Jared and I are like, no, that makes us want to vomit. <laughs> you know, like they, we can get credit cards better than that. This right. is ridiculous. We're not going to do this. And, and Jared and I made a decision um, that if we couldn't figure this out, like we just would, we weren't going to, we weren't going to saddle our students with this kind of burden. We were going to do everything in our power to make it right. And we always ask this question, if it's from the curriculum to student financing, whatever it's, the question is, um, what's the de- best decision for our students? 
And when you have that like central question that really for us has helped us stay focused on the mission. The mission is to have these students that graduate and they're industry ready and they can be hired. They help the businesses that we um, that we're working with, you know, they help design. It, it's all good. Um, 28% interest rate was not the best decision for students. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. No, no, it was it, terrible, right? Like it's not okay. Um, so we are actually in the process of starting our own revolving student loan fund. Wow. So not only are we starting a school, we're basically, we're creating a new way of lending. So it's like an innovation in learning needs an innovation in lending, right? That's, that's where we're at. I will tell you, there's nothing easy about this. <laughs> okay, so. I don't even like you ask like yes for all of you listening who haven't started a school before my biggest advice is maybe don't but <laughs> if you do um, really keep your students and your stakeholder uh, well like your your target audiences right for us it's their students and the hiring managers and the reason we keep hiring managers like what are the best decisions we make for hiring managers um, that's another question we uh, consistently ask is because the best thing for our students is to be able to be hired. Mm-hmm. So we've created a curriculum that meets the needs of hiring managers because that's the best thing for our students. Um, we are creating a revolving student loan fund with lower interest rates. Not only is that the best idea for our students, but it's the best thing for hiring managers because they're not having to pay inflated salaries to cover some crazy um, loan. So these are the kind of things. So, so to get started with the school is, is taking a lot of different steps, everything from curriculum to facilities to hiring to figuring out what are the best hiring practices. It turns out uh, most of the people in the UX world, um, it's just not there yet. We haven't quite figured out what the hiring best hiring practices are. And over the last four years when Jared and I were working on this, we've actually come up with some amazing information about that. And so... Um, there's all these things that we have learned uh, and we've, we're starting to create because we've had to, you know, you have to, if you're going to hire really great facilitators, you have to have a really great hiring practice. If you're going to, um, you're going to really serve the students by having financially that works for them. You've got to create your own student loan fund, you know? And so we're, we're, we're in these worlds that I never really knew I was going to be. Um, but I will tell you, it's, it's exciting and it's amazing. And every single day I wonder where the time went because the days go so fast, faster than anything I've ever done before. It's just like, okay, wait, what? The day's over. (laughs) You know, my to-do list is still really long. I have to ask, where do you start by starting up a loan fund for students? Like what, what is the, what steps one, like what steps one, two, and three for that? First, you, you you cry and console yourself that you're going to have to do this. Stuff, do this. Okay. <laughs> That's your preparation. That's for yeah, your preparation. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then from there, uh, we asked a ton. We asked really smart people. Really, I don't know if they were smart questions, but we asked them a lot of questions. And um, so it turns out uh, people ask us a lot of times, like, "Why are you doing this in Chattanooga?" You know, you should be doing this in a bigger city, Brooklyn, San Francisco, Chicago. We get all this, right? Um, and really, Chattanooga has been an amazing place. Uh, not only do we have the fastest internet in the Western Hemisphere, and it was not Google, even though, we, you know, we use Google products. Um, 
it was our electric power board, our local municipality that had the foresight to see that um, having um, access to the internet and uh, at these kind of speeds, we have one gig up, one gig down simultaneously. Actually, now in Chattanooga, we have 10 gigs available. We we don't do that yet because there's no need for us, but we have it there. Um, so with the reason besides all this technological goodness that's happening um, and innovation that's happening in Chattanooga, it's just the people here are so incredibly helpful. People ask us all the time, what can I do to help get the school started? What can I do? Um, and, and they're not expecting anything in return, except mm-hmm. the, the, the Chattanooga spirit is, of course, we, are, we'll, we will help all the people that have helped us and we will help more. That, that's just the way things are here. Um, and, and that works with the way, with who we are uh, as a company and as like, individuals in the company. So that it makes a lot of sense for us. Um, but we, we've asked, we've met with bankers, with foundations, with um, nonprofits, and, and, and we've, we kept figuring out like, okay, well, this is, maybe we could go this path. Maybe we can go this path. And like, we, we talk with attorneys, what, what's the best way to do this for the students, you know? And um, by asking really smart people questions, we, we started to end up in the right, the, around the table with the right people. And so we're working um, towards setting up this loan fund in a way um, that we don't have to set up our own nonprofit. Um, Chattanooga has a uh, one of the, if not the greatest, like per capita nonprofit ratio. <laughs> like we have a lot of nonprofits in Chattanooga. So when we started this, we were really asked by um, leaders in our community to do our best to work with other nonprofits where we could and not set up our own unless we absolutely had to. So that's what we've been doing. We're, so, um, and then the steps after that are um, find someone that understands your mission, that really wants that sees the need for it, that sees how it can help the local um, community as well um, and set up all the legal agreements around that and figure out things like loan criteria. If you're taking credit score into um, into account, if you're having co-signers or guarantors or both, I mean, there's just like, <laughs> I don't know, there's so many details. It's kind of, it's mind boggling. Oh, wow. and, and, you know, and sending it all back and forth to the lawyers to make sure, because this isn't um, necessarily our our background, so making sure everything, um, all the uh, all the decisions are being made again that honor the students and the hiring managers, and make sure that we're making those kind of really great decisions. Cool, awesome. Well, I was just curious as to where you, where you start for that. So, and uh, it seems like you've everywhere is the answer for that. So, uh, yeah, you know, there's a lot of that approach. It's um, everywhere. And bring all the information together and then and do the best to make it something that it's very complicated on the back and everything that we're doing. There's nothing that's been really simple, but our goal is to make it as simple for the students and the hiring managers. You know, they, they don't need to, I mean, they listen to this and they can, they can hear everything that's gone through it. If they want to know, you know, we're very transparent and open and we'll share, um, but that they don't have to feel this part of it know this pinch they can just have a seamless um experience of, of getting a loan that 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 makes them feel really great about the loan because so here's here's our our plan with the loan the plan is as the students pay back their loan they're actually giving forward so the money goes back to the loan fund so that it can help another student in the future go to school 
So, and we're going to be doing some major fundraising to make that loan, like to populate that loan, um, to, to really help um, the first group of students, second group of students. And then um, as these students graduate, get these really great jobs, they'll, um, they'll be giving another student in the future a chance, an opportunity, just like somebody gave to them. And that to me is such, I mean, that's where I would have loved to give my student loans back to, right? Something mm -hmm. that felt like I was really doing good. Right. I think that's, that's, that's awesome. That's probably smarter than, that's way smarter than 20%. So. Thank you. Yeah, we think so. <laughs> Only I does it feel good. <laughs> I don't think you need to tell you that, but yeah, that's just way, way smarter than that. So. <laughs> I, so I have a question for you, and you're not, probably not going to like it in that way, but uh, why be certified? I mean, there's so many services out there that do web education that they're not certified. Do you mean um, like uh, accredited or? Accredited, yeah, sorry. Certified, accredited, sorry, yeah. So accredited. the reason we went down the authorization route, um, the authorization route, again, that's from the state, not a national accrediting body, is because mm -hmm. we have to. That is a state requirement. I, I believe that's a, it might be... Uh, getting my laws mixed up in my head. I believe that now all the states have the same kind of process. It's similar. I think each state has a little bit different flavor of it, but uh, I believe recently in the last couple of years, a federal government has said you need to be authorized. A lot of things were happening where some shady kind of fly by night schools were setting up offering like um, making big promises and not being able to deliver. Maybe I am asking the right question. I'm going to make sure I'm, Back, backtracking just a little bit to make sure. So there's lots of web education stuff that you get online, let's say, for example, or are schools that um, that people like UX materials that get online or whatever. So and they have UX courses, they have UX, um, you know, mini courses, if you will, like whatever. So, but they're not certified in, in any traditional sense, right? Like they're not like, like in the traditional sense of like saying I go to Florida State or I go to uh, Princeton or whatever like that. So, or if I go to, um, I'm just going to say my example is that, uh, you know, I used to work for uh, an online design school and they were accredited at uh, New York State, mm -hmm. right? So, um, but there are competitors who don't, didn't even bother with that. So, so my question is to like, like, uh, yeah. what, uh, why like why pretty much like why, why? um like, why is that why is it important so in tennessee if we were gonna since we're running center center out of tennessee but the legally we have to be authorized now we don't legally have to be accredited mm. um there's a difference so authorized basically the state of tennessee is making sure that our students get the that we um provide that we actually deliver on the outcomes we promise or uh, with the promises we make, we actually deliver on them. Um, and to me, that actually, to be a part of that makes a lot of sense, not only because that's the law in Tennessee, but because it's another group of people kind of looking at what you're doing. And the students have this understanding, you come to Center Center, what you, what Center Center promises you, you're going to get. And you, you can count on the state of Tennessee to back that up. So basically, if a student, if there's complaints, those go to the state of Tennessee. And the state of Tennessee could actually take our authorization away. Um, and so to me, that's kind of like this, this nice 
guarantee. It's a nice, it's a nice thing to know as a student, like you are really going to get what you pay for. Um, you're not going to be taken advantage of. It, it, to me, that's really, it's a really nice thing to know, especially because we're, we're a new, we're a new school. You know, it's an unproven and we know that we got the state of Tennessee saying we have looked through all their curriculum. We have looked through every single document. We have actually approved uh, staff choices. They don't make the approval based on it's it's different. It's like we hire but the state of Tennessee um, knows who we've hired. Um, they have access to all kinds of records. They can do audits and make sure that the the students are being treated fairly, that the grading is fair, that, you know, all, all of these things are fair to the students. And so if I, if I was a student to know that it makes me go, oh, okay, well, I know that I'm going to get what I was promised. Hmm. And when you're putting money towards something, it's really nice to have a guarantee. Right. Um, now, accrediting, the reason if we ever went down that road would be to open up opportunities for people. So, Currently, veterans, the the GI Bill, those kind of things, those options, um, we can't accept at Center Center yet, because, and we can't accept international students. There's all these things that um, when or if we're accredited, we can start we can start offering good opportunities to people in different ways. Um, it also allows us to offer our students financing with kind of traditional loans that are the non-predatory loans. So there, there are other options for financing. So again, we haven't totally decided which way we're going to go. Um, and we will revisit that when the time comes with the question, what's the best decision for our students? Yeah, I mean, I always, I always felt like uh, accreditation is pretty awesome. It's, excuse because you know it's going to be, I think as a student, it'll be, and as a teacher also, it's, it's nice that you know, it's, uh, you uh, get bang for the buck, if you will. Like you get more for what you put into it so that is, that's true too yeah, yeah I, it's i think it's it's nice to have uh, even though sometimes it's a pain it's also really nice to have an outside group looking at what you're doing and then asking really smart questions that's what um the state of tennessee they asked us questions that were really smart <laughs> and helped us to figure out how to make a better experience for the students and you know they've been doing this for a long time and so to really use that kind of knowledge to our students advantage, I, I think is just, it's a really great thing. Okay. Uh, my other question is, uh, are you concerned about uh, the industry changing too fast? Cause that's uh, one thing, you know, I, I, I talked about earlier about how like yeah. I went from my master's in technology was changing so fast uh, and the school would be hard pressed to keep up with everything. Right. So um, are you concerned about, the industry changing so fast and not being able to change curriculum because you have to go through the like an accreditation process or a review process. So I'm not, uh, our industry does change quickly and I'm not worried about it because we have thought this through with the framework, the structure of our curriculum, the way we have developed our curriculum and the way we have put things into practice. Um, so for example, our courses are very different. They're not, uh, we, our courses, our students take one course at a time. The courses last three weeks. The first two days of that course are industry-ready, uh, industry-grade workshops that are taught by industry experts. So we actually bring in 
like the people who are, you know, writing the books, speaking at the conferences, creating the new practices, the best, you know, the best practices, all of that. We bring them in to Center Center for two days to spend the two days with our students to teach our students the same kind of workshops that they would be teaching professionals. Um, we have the partner company mentors and other professionals coming in to work with our students and to get that same industry grade workshop with the students at the same time. So our students are are hearing from them what's the most relevant things going on in their organizations. Um, and our faculty, so our facilitators, are actually attending those workshops as well. So they're constantly being kept up to date. And so every three weeks, this is happening for two years. And this is part of the reason that I'm not totally concerned because those industry experts, they're absolutely keeping the up to date, right? Because their livelihood depends on it. Um, they keep up to date. They bring that information and that knowledge and all that brain power here to Center Center. The students get to learn from them. Our facilitators are constantly being kept up to date. So they are, um, our facilitators aren't being left behind. We have made sure there are resources and time for them to have their professional development continue for their entire time they teach. That is so different than a, and I've been a professor, I know this is different than a regular university setting. The other ways we are really making sure that our students have the opportunity to make sure they're learning what's relevant is, well, our facilitators are being, they're, they're not only going to these industry grade workshops, but they, they they're professionals and they have professional contacts and they're constantly in the field, talking with people, meeting with hiring managers, all of that kind of great stuff. Um, and our curriculum is built. So we have a number of core courses. And then towards the end of the curriculum, we actually have special topic courses, kind of directed topic courses and internship courses um, worked in. And that curriculum has not been set. So say to us, um, say a company comes to us and they are like, you know, wearables are like, are going to be our next big thing. And if your students could just really understand these kind of principles around that, we would be able to hire them in a second, you know? And so, well, we'll develop a whole course of, around wearables. So our students are totally up to date on it. So when they graduate in the next couple of weeks or next couple of months, that they have the skills they need to go be really great um, assets to that company right away. Um, and also the, right, the core courses, even though they are core, um, they are developed in a way where the competencies are general enough that it doesn't matter which software, you know, so... Which prototyping tool? I mean, which prototyping tool? It's like, I feel like every single day, I'm like, here's a new prototyping tool. Well, I don't know which one's going to be the one that's going to be the most important in two years. So but our, the competency is around the students understanding how to use prototyping tools that um, meet the needs of that project, those kind of things. And so it doesn't say you have to use this specific one that now, you know, six months into the program is now obsolete. Those are some of the ways we're addressing that concern because we do know how fast this industry moves. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's very important for us to make sure our students are up to date. And so is our facilitators and our staff. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. That's like, that's way better. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. I mean, just bringing people in, bringing the experts in, um, having the fastest internet connection is also not too bad too. So. It's really, it's, yeah, you get, you get used to it and then you go to some hotel Wi-Fi and you're like, oh. Curses, yeah. I know. Yeah, we just got Google Fiber in Austin. so It's, like, it's yeah, sweet. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty sweet. So you mentioned, I think you mentioned earlier that you have, 
you're still working on things out, so you haven't yet you get you have yet to get to your first cohort of students in. Yeah. Uh, when do you expect to have that in, or and are you accepting applications? Well, yeah, we are definitely accepting applications. Um, so we we've been accepting applications for a while now. So we have a number of potential students. So applicants in the um, pipeline, they're in the process. Um, some of them are just ready. They're completely through the whole process. They're just waiting for us to figure out, you know, this financial aid situation, <laughs> this piece to um, be able to start the school. Um, and so what's really cool about our applicants currently is they're completely, they're so diverse. Um, different ages, uh, different ethnicities, uh, all the genders, you know, it's like it's like, it's so neat to we without trying we have this really nice diverse applicant pool and that is something that speaks to us so much um because we believe that diverse teams really create stronger products because you're taking into different consideration different things um so to answer part of your question is we hope to start in the fall that is our goal so fall of 2016 um now, we have said, if you've listened to other podcasts or if you've talked to me before, we've tried for fall before. But again, the student financial aid hurdle, it was just something that we were having a really hard time jumping. And within the last few weeks, we have seen some really big hope and light at the end of the tunnel for this. Um, and so we're looking for fall of 2016. Now, that could change. But right now, that's our goal. And we're definitely accepting applicants. And the applicants... Um, our criteria is really interesting. You do not need to be a designer, not need to know technology. You do not need to know how to code. What you need to be is a lifelong learner. So somebody who likes a good problem and are willing to go out and try to solve it. Um, and that gets kind of excited by that. Someone that's gritty and tenacious. So that stick to itness. someone that'll see a project or a problem through to the, till it gets to a solution. Um, and there's basic things like you need to be 18 years or older just because that was a lot easier to get through the state of Tennessee at this point. Um, speak and write fluent English because um, the hiring managers are looking for that. And again, we want to make sure that all of our students are hireable when they graduate. How um, about uh, so emojis? Emojis, that's really important. Okay, good. You need to, You. Uh, I was actually just in our Slack channel today. Yeah, it's pretty important. And if you can make <laughs> custom emojis for Slack, that. Oh. Okay. <laughs> but it's like those are the kind of things we're looking for. Um, but the students don't have to come with a college background. They just need to either have graduated high school, have their GED or their high set, which is now the high school equivalency test thing that they're doing instead of the GED. So um, the, and the interview, uh, the application process, I say, almost said interview process because that's mostly what it is. The application process is really great. You get to know the facilitators that you'll be working with as your as your facilitators through the process and they get to know you and it's just it's a really intense but really awesome process all right that's awesome and, and how many students are in, in a cohort or so in a single cohort 36 students move together um, oh, nice. and that's a max okay. and what we do is we aim to have about 12 to 1 student facilitator ratio Okay. So if for the first cohort, we have 24 students, we'll probably have two facilitators. Um, we're hoping to have a full 36 cohort. That's really great, um, which means we have three facilitators. And at this point, that means we would need to be hiring for a third facilitator. So, um, And then we plan to scale up pretty big, pretty quickly. Within five years of starting, we're looking at around having about 500 students enrolled. Wow. 
at different levels of two-year pro- program, right? Yeah, they wouldn't all be, they would be starting. So we don't have to, since we're not traditional in a lot of ways, we do not have to start on a, a specific time of the year. So we would start having cohorts starting every, you know, four to six weeks, that kind of thing. Okay, cool. But for now, we're starting with one cohort, hopefully for the <laughs> fall. Um, so yeah. Uh, if anybody's interested, you know, we are accepting student applications and it's, it's going to be an exciting. I think the first cohort is it's going to be a pretty exciting time because those students get to actually, I think, help start shaping uh, the next cohort's experience, you know, in a, in a really real way. Do you accept people who've, uh, who've done six single pixel GIFs? Uh, yes. Okay. As long as they're willing to understand where things have, I mean, I have to say yes because I mean, how many of us did that? I had to do that. That was the only way back then. Before, I mean, there was way we just times were different. Yeah, I think things were different back then. So it was application process and an interview process, I assume. Yeah, so it's an interview process. There's a the applications more like give us your first last name, email address, maybe your Twitter handle, and then it's this. Uh, talk of it's basically you have to write a 250 word essay about a significant learning accomplishment and so and so um, we've had people tell us about how they've um, learned how to um, learn how to fix up their house or learn how to fix their car or learned how to bake or so when we're talking about these learning it's what did you teach yourself and how do you follow through on it? And when you face those challenges that we all face when you're learning something by yourself or, you know, for the first time, how did you approach those challenges? How did you get through it? Those are, those are the kind of things we're looking for. That's much more interesting to us than a whole bunch of just random fields of information that normal applications have on them. And then there's, um, there's phone calls and um, Skype or video conferencing interviews with the facilitators and as you go through the process they get a little bit longer and more in depth okay and then i assume um there's affordable student housing nearby we are um we're actually constantly working on that um yeah chattanooga it's chattanooga is one of it's one of the other reasons we're doing this here chattanooga is way more affordable to live than most most big cities you know we're we're a mid-size uh city our mayor likes to say we're the best mid-sized city in America. Sometimes I call us a small city and I know I'm going to get in trouble. Um, but we've got a small city feel and a mid-sized city is, is where our numbers are at. And there's all kinds of different housing. So some of our students, you know, are, are single and looking for a roommate. And some of our, our student applicants are married and have two kids. And they're looking for a totally different kind of house. Or like a house versus like, you know, an apartment with a roommate. So we have... Um, we have resources for all of those. Awesome. That's great. Cool. Well, um, and where can people find out more information about the center center and apply or, or help out in some way? If they... <laughs> sure. Um, they can go to centercenter.com and that's, uh, so this is where it gets tricky. This is the spelling. Yeah. Go American English, then the Queens English. So C E N T E R C E N T R E dot com and you can find out things there um it's the same for twitter um you can always find me on twitter at uh, mine's at jensen in minutes j-e-n-s-e-n-i-n-m-a-n 
and um, hopefully those links or something will be in show notes because like it's a yeah, I don't know, last be. name's complicated too, you know. No, yeah, no problem. Yeah, yeah, they definitely. Like, we'll put the stuff in the in the show notes for sure. Um, well, thank you so much for taking time out of your uh, busy schedule trying to get everything set up for for students. It sounds awesome. Thank you. And uh, I'm jealous of all the students who will be taking place, getting to learn there. It sounds awesome. Well, well, thank you. Um, hopefully, you get to visit Chattanooga and, and see the school and uh, you know, come share your brain knowledge, too. Cool. Well, yeah, full, I guess it's too late. Full disclosure, right? I contributed to the Kickstarter so uh, back in the day. So Yes, okay. your name's up on the wall. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so. We have a wall of awesomeness, a physical wall of awesomeness. And There you go. Of course, yeah. you have to have one. So You do. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Thank you so much. And uh, I'll talk to you soon, I guess. And we'll, I want to check in and with after you have your first students, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that would be great. Thank you so much. <laughs>